0: Welcome, everyone, to the Watchmen Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. On this Halloween's Eve podcast, my name is Matt, and I'm dressed as Dr. Manhattan circa 1985. Joining me, as always, is Pete, also dressed as Dr. Manhattan circa 1985. I guess we blew it. Hello, Pete.
1: The Watchmen Podcast by Fantastic Geek pulls off our masks for episode 102 martial feats of comanche horsemanship
0: pete the ratings appear to have episode 102 at a similar place uh that 101 was i know there was some gnashing of teeth online oh look this show that challenges me to look at other people's perspectives is failure failure uh let's not use broadcast ratings uh models to you know, uh, check the healthiness of this show, which requires an HBO subscription, and is uh, you know, it, it's an expensive HBO subscription at that. So, you know, things continue to chug along. I certainly wouldn't prognosticate one way or the other, are the ratings, etc., supporting a season two or excluding a season two. But I feel like before this first season ends, we'll have a direction there. I
1: mean, a couple things. We have our highest ratings since Westworld on HBO. Uh, for a for a new series, that is. Game of Thrones, the outlier there. Uh, that their consistent week to week is helpful. And when you consider that Sunday night was uh, game five of the World Series, so you had that potential distraction, there are eyes that are either going to be checking out in time delay or on DDR. Um, so no reason to worry. Yes, there's the... Will there be a season two stuff out there? But let's enjoy what we have. And if there is to be more, great. If not, so far it's definitely lived up to it. And now it's time to look under the hood of this episode. A typewriter clacks out the title card as a room of women write... In Germany. An officer asks for Fraulein Muller. She raises her hand. He asks if she speaks fluent English which she demonstrates and he tells her to bring her typewriter into his office where he dictates a letter referring to black American soldiers as boys and asking them why they're fighting the Germans when they were lied to by the newspapers
0: what he is dictating of course is the uh leafleted propaganda which we had discussed last episode pete i'm so glad i listened to our podcast to find out more about that uh what the narrative does interestingly is we have him dictating it we see that leaflet being dropped on african-american soldiers in general ob in particular Uh, It's pointed out that they have been made the tool of the very country which disrespected them. And, Pete, there's this really great narrative, literal narrative through line, where we get the text from the German officer to it being read by Ob, then to uh, his son reading it, and then 100 years later. Kind of astonishing in the way in which they show that. Kind of really jumped out at me on second view, less so on the first view, Pete, because it's so smooth.
1: Yes, Will reading it and then transitioning from young Will to elderly Will um, with on his lap, waiting to be found next to the tree that Chief Crawford is hanging from. Um, Angela arrives and pushes his wheelchair away uh, from the episode title, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship.
0: And we, of course, will be digging into that title in a little while. Angela drives the man to her shop. Pete, that, of course, the bake shop that has yet to open. Uh, He promptly gets handcuffed to his wheelchair. Uh, She finds pills on him uh, as well as the leaflet. Uh, She makes some coffee. Pete, I can't believe in alternate 2019, they're using uh, unnamed pod coffee maker. Don't you know (laughs) those are terrible for the environment and make inferior brews? Uh,
1: Going to disagree on the inferior bruise. Um, but in the world's greatest mom mug, no less, uh, she retreats to the sanctity of her safe and rages in grief. She dons her sister knight costume and returns as the coffee's still steamy. And uh, Will notes that she's changed. She gives him the coffee, but he doesn't have any sugar
0: he uh, does however have an admission that to hanging the chief completely by himself despite his being 105 years old uh he says uh you know after getting the question how can he do this maybe he can manipulate materials with his mind maybe he's dr manhattan maybe he's trying to make podcasters turn this way and that wondering (laughs) could he be true or senile (laughs) or lying um Even though it's impossible, he says, Pete, Dr. Manhattan can do all these things but can't change from different shades of blue, which I think does make one, you know, scratch their chin here. Uh, But he would like his pills. And by the way, he says he's not Dr. Manhattan after all.
1: Yes. The pills, he says, are to help him get his memory and that it's been a long time since he's been home. Talk more about that in our crank file of theories. She allows him to take the pills and he maintains he killed Chief Crawford because he had skeletons in his closet. He tells her there's a vast and insidious conspiracy at play in Tulsa. If he told her about it, her head would explode. So he has to give it to her in pieces.
0: Uh, with that, her pager goes off. Again, we're living in this post-New post, post uh, New York attack pre-internet technology in twenty nineteen. So of course she has a page or she returns it. She gets presumably or at least she she affects the notion of uh, getting the news of Judd's death for the first time. Uh before she leaves, she takes that coffee mug. Pete, I thought it was for prints because I've seen a bunch of CSI. Uh shame on me. Should have known it was for DNA because I've seen a bunch of CSI.
1: Yeah, even better. Outside, um... At the Mr. Newsstand, a new frontiersman headline declares global squid Falls baffle scientists. Uh, Seymour, the uh, man who runs the newsstand there, clad in the same type of cap as the newsstand man from New York City in 1985. So apparently it's a it's a newsstand man thing. Um, he asks how it can rain squid in Tulsa, Vancouver, Jakarta, and Leningrad at the same time. And the other man, who is not named, says it's interdimensional and stuff.
0: Of course, the blame is placed by the newsman at the feet of President Redford and his libstopo. Uh, this as uh, the morning Deep state. Page. Deep state, indeed. Interesting to see uh well to see a lack of confidence in redford i'm sure we'll talk about that not only later in this podcast but as the the episodes go on um all this of course as the morning papers are delivered we see a young girl arrive uh in a car i don't think we're meant to think she's driving it but uh she certainly is too young to be driving she she gets her pre-arranged for a pile of papers no nova express pete that doesn't come out to the afternoon um and she's asked if She, another she, reads them all. At least that's how I took it. And the young girl says, yes, don't you?
1: Yes. Have to be referring, I would um, believe, to Lady True,
0: who we've not met
1: yet. Um, But we'll just have to see. He does, uh, like you said, he he reads them. He just don't believe them. Uh, Angela's car uh, comes out right before this. There's a blink and you miss it shot on the wall in the alley of the hiroshima lovers shadow nice placement there um and she arrives at the crime scene looking glass sits in the passenger seat and notices the mug but asks if she has anything to eat there's nuts in the glove
0: just that image of seeing looking Glass's mask pulled up uh, you know it harkens back to Rorschach I'm certainly not suggesting looking is Rorschach or anything like that anything too you know o- overly connected beyond just a, a visual motif but um, they both wonder if Judd was killed by the cavalry uh, obviously Sister Knight wondering a bit facetiously given that she's been at this crime scene before Uh, signs suggest that Judd died slowly and terribly, uh, just, you know, that the whole recap that looking glass gives it, it had a way of injecting me into the scene, even though it's two people talking about actions, it is tell not show it's better to be told than shown here. We're back to jaws with the yellow barrels where we can imagine it worse than it would be if you had Don Johnson on camera, you know, gasping and and that sort of thing.
1: He was alive
0: the whole time until he
1: wasn't. Looking Glass knows that Angela was with him last night. He has spoken to Crawford's wife, Jane. He knows they were at the A-bars for supper. Uh, She reports he had a couple glasses of wine and might have done some blow. Her kids were there. Her kids, Matt, he's a cold mofo, this Looking Glass. But why is he crying under there?
0: Uh a bit of sarcasm there, I uh would assume. Their conversation, Pete, it could go on and on, but it's interrupted by a winged man falling from the sky. Mechanical wings, though. Um, and uh Red Scare smashes the first man's camera, so very clearly uh in fact he smashes it, and then Red Scare suggests, shall we say, Pete, a place uh that Red Scare would like to put the camera on the man um and uh, gives him some knuckle sandwiches or knuckle borscht i don't know for good measure (laughs) clearly this is kind of paparazzo there's a second you know mechanical flying guy that gets uh i believe the subtitles say tasered that wasn't immediately clear
1: effing moths matt and you know fantastic geek we we've been in this podcast game uh, formally or informally since uh, 2011, term we once used on a previous podcast about a long since canceled show became bandied about in the writer's room. They began to use it for a location. So I'm going to henceforth refer to these, uh, you know, cameramen as Motharazzi.
0: Ooh, Motharazzi, really, really like it.
1: Hashtag uh... Motharazzi
0: hashtag Motharazzi indeed um with that they decide to take the chief's body down i appreciate side note pete i appreciate that there wasn't like cut him down he doesn't deserve to be to be up there you know said by any character um because that's not what police officers would do they would get all the evidence we have Uh, criminalistic technicians wearing you know the booties and whatnot, and some of the long shots, you know, to prevent cross contamination and things of that sort. But the time comes to take the chief's body down. We see Angela holding him tight, and Pete, the story flashes back to Christmas with Angela and Cal dancing close. You see what they did there? She's holding the chief tight, then Angela's holding Cal tight.
1: Yes, Christmas Eve, two minutes to midnight. They said the thing, they said the thing, Uh, they did the thing. Uh, dancing to Santa Baby. Her husband, Cal, would very much like to open the big present at midnight. Uh, no children yet in the picture between the two of them. And uh, she tries to distract him by putting the little hand on the um, <clears throat> big hand, but it's not going to work until she hears someone in their house and ducks a, a shotgun-wielding cavalry member who bursts in the front door Um, she hides behind the island in the kitchen with a knife then slashing him across the throat before she's shot by another cavalry member who holds the shotgun on her as she calls for her husband until she passes out and wakes in the hospital
0: indeed pete theorists definitely fueled by the notion that there was a man standing over her after she was shot and then a man sitting over her as she woke up more theories in a bit uh we get from captain judd Uh, A bit of exposition here, none of which feels excessive because she has questions after waking up uh, in the situation she's in. Cal is fine. He was there for the last three days. Captain Judd is here now. He also survived the attack. They came for everyone. 40 cops on the news. Pete, they're calling it white night. And worse, Doyle and Ginny, they weren't so lucky. But their kids did make it.
1: Yes, so uh, Angela's partner... Uh, Doyle was killed. Um, Crawford has his right arm in a sling. Interestingly, uh, there is a there is a pang of pride. It would seem in Don Johnson's performance of the line, "They're calling it the White Knight," and it almost feels like uh, that is intentional. And we'll just have to wait and see down the road here, but. Uh, the uh, the partner's uh, children, uh, the boy Christopher, he likes to go by Tofer. Uh, of course, this is the child that uh, Angela now has custody of. He heard the shots. He put his sisters in the closet with him. He saved them. Angela wants to round these races up with everybody, with all the cops. But there is nobody left. The entire force knows the cavalry has their names and addresses. Everybody is resigning. But Angela won't quit. Uh, Crawford guesses he won't quit either. He instructs his subordinate officer that it's okay to cry. She says, maybe later. And the last words we hear in the flashback are, I'm sorry I let you down. I let you down as Matt, he is let down the hands here bleeding over uh, her hands, touching his uh, and vice versa into the body bag as he is zipped up.
0: Pete, I know that we had discussed a little bit last week. What is it that's giving us maybe an iffy take on Judd? I'll just point out in the scene, the bit of scene you just recapped uh, now, Pete, I'm no lady, but I certainly try and be, you know, thoughtful of ladies and gents alike around me. I don't know that it's necessarily the best thing to say to a lady. Oh, it's okay. You can cry now. Now is an okay time for you to show your emotions. <laughs> P.S. I don't need to cry because me, man. Um, so that might be in this episode one of the factors that make us question Judd. The other one, a little bit later. Hint: It's a skeleton in the closet. Um, but back to the present day story, Pete. That that body bag zipped up. The camera POV from Judd as it gets zipped up. Uh, Red Scare is ready to start busting heads in Nixonville. We get the wonderful, slightly misstated English as a second language. Giddy effing up. Um,
1: yes, mount up, <laughs> cowboys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and that
1: I, is that is now what. <laughs>
0: I don't know what, but I know that it's wonderful.
1: It is. Um, Angela is the voice of reason here, whether or not it is intrinsically from her. Uh, it would seem it may have been some of Crawford's influence, particularly the way the flashback informs it. You know, She was ready to bust heads when the white night happened, Crawford's like, let's, let's pause. She says now they should stop. They should take a breath. Okay. Red scare asks her why she doesn't want to do what she loves, which is beat the blank out of these blanks. Um, and, uh, and blankety
0: blank you too. What's that? And blankety blank you too.
1: (laughs) Yes. And, and looking glass says, uh, you know, of course she loves this. It's indisputable. Um, Is she coming or is she breathing? She's coming along for the ride, okay? They wind up with Red Scare on his car in front of the gigantic Nixon of Nixonville, uh, explaining to citizens, some cavalry members, uh, undoubtedly, that the chief has been murdered by one of them. Uh, They're gonna come out of their blankety trailers and get into these lovely paddy wagons. Uh, otherwise, they're going to tear down their idol, Matt. I don't know where they possibly got this rhetoric.
0: Well, what I find so interesting about this scene is, it, it, it's a seri- it, It's it's a scene that has a series of of opposites. In that, I think we know, kind of separate from the will hanging, Judd, and all of that, we know. our sympathies could lie with the police here there is a dead police chief a likely cavalry member did it again kind of the the objective truth notwithstanding i suppose um so our sympathies might want to lie with the police here but then also you know kind of like yes nixonville kind of does not look like let's say pete the most upscale place but also just the the idea of it's your property it's your home uh it's your you know your your private property etc you know there's police overreach but we want the bad guys beaten i don't think anybody's gonna complain that you know the guy that threw the bottle at police you know gets a get, gets a whooping that kind of thing there are all these contrasts here um as you know as the scene unfolds and certainly as there's the the quick countdown for the nixon statue to come down uh and the aforementioned bottle gets thrown before he can even get to zero so with that, it's uh, it's whooping time for better or ill.
1: Angela continues to be the voice of reason. They don't need to do this. Uh, it's unnecessary. And then she is attacked, this after being asked by Looking Glass that she's not interested in joining in. What, what's wrong with you, friend? Uh, she ducks. She delivers an awesome roundhouse kick and then completely pummels this dude Before she gets in her car, takes that breath, and then returns to the mug.
0: Indeed, wearing casual clothes, she takes the mug into the community center. Pete, past protesters, indeed protesters, saying things such as uh, equal rights, equal taxes. And we are definitely going to circle back to that uh, during theories. Um, They, of course, are protesting redfordations. Uh, she walks into. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, Matt! We don't, we don't call them Redford Asians on this podcast. This is the a Victim of Racial Violence Act. Uh, th- this is a, this is a uh, thing that is meant as an apology by the Redford administration on behalf of the United States government. We we don't use pejorative slang for these uh reparations
0: well it is interesting to see in this scene amidst uh the the investigative work that she's trying to do which is underpinning the the motion of the scene you know we get all this exposition from treasury secretary henry lewis gates jr played by henry lewis gates jr um <laughs> but we kind of get where, this... where
1: should i know him from
0: matt well, Pete, many people would know him from Finding Your Roots on PBS. He also won a Peabody Award for his documentary, uh, The African-Americans, Many Rivers to Cross. Uh, he a, uh, a filmmaker, scholar, etc.
1: Yes, much like some of the PTpedia uh, information a second batch of which was posted on HBO's website this week. Uh, you know, notably in the first week, uh, Dr. Oz is Surgeon General. Um, but it, it makes a profound impact here that somebody known in our universe for helping people discover their family trees um, is helping people in the wake of the uh victims of racial violence act to uh see if they are eligible for uh these reparations
0: and it's interesting in this scene that we we get here uh i think an understanding of how the reparations mechanism works in the watchman universe uh and you know i've heard of the notion of uh reparations i mean my goodness pete A couple months ago we saw george takei live on stage uh, among other things, talking about his own uh, experience as a recipient for uh, of reparations uh, given to Japanese-Americans who were placed into internment camps in World War II. Uh, here the show just, I find it so interesting, exploring a mechanism by which, um, you know, the show is imagining reparations uh, for African-Americans.
1: And as we're given the exposition that Greenwood, the four, Formal name of what was known as Black Wall Street. Uh, We see the Dreamland Theater, which is the movie theater where Will and his family were at the beginning of the pilot. Also, the movie theater, the theater where uh, Oklahoma was staged in the pilot as well. So uh, some carryover. But in the space of a single day, we're told it was all gone. This Tulsa massacre has largely gone unacknowledged in both Histories And uh, President Redford through uh, Secretary Gates here uh, offers his sincerest condolences. He wants uh, consent to test the DNA here and a swab pops out of the interactive machine uh, supposed to go on a cheek. But, you know, a mug that uh, you drank out of will work just fine. Only survivors and direct descendants were told are eligible to apply at that time facility um and the best number that angela can be reached at that's area code 539 five three nine one seven six two four four two matt 42 but it's not in service because i've called it and i can only imagine other
0: people have called it ah rats it maybe is
1: five three nine is an oklahoma area code
0: maybe they'll circle back to it uh, at some point, like it'll get mentioned again and get put into service. I don't know, but that's always fun. I mean, I know they did that with loss they did that with the office um that's always a really neat uh really neat thing they did it with um with uh stranger things as well this past uh this past summer but I digress Pete uh she has left that DNA swab uh, there at the center. she goes home. there's a man on her porch. he says that he has a right to see the kids uh but he will take her money. Uh, He has the rather flippant comment that uh, that's one way that she can put that, uh, you know, that reparation money to work.
1: Yes. She'll take a real check instead of a rain check. Now get the F off my porch inside that. As we head into Halloween tomorrow, it is approaching Halloween in the Watchmen universe apparently a pirate, an owl, a ghost, uh, all convene. Cal is the ghost. Um, he asks if the man is still on the porch, he's, he's gone. Uh, did Angela arrest the old man? He's still at the bakery. Um, but she's confident he didn't do it. It also says that Dr. Manhattan can pretend to be human. I love the cavalier and, and just, flippant nature everybody knows dr manhattan's powers yeah he 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 can't do that he's on mars anyway
0: yeah it's just completely impossible for somebody who can do the otherwise impossible um cal wonders if they're safe and she tells him that uh she would tell him if they weren't which kind of sort of sounds like one of those spouse things that sometimes you say when you don't want to actually say the thing um because I think we can all agree that probably there's a there's less safety in their lives now than there was you know uh, five days ago in Showtime. Um, ultimately, though, she heads up to talk to Topher. He's building a ma- magnetic and hovering castle. Pete, that kind of square castle shape that I think we saw a couple times in episode 101. Um, she notes that the world doesn't always have pretty colors. They both know it. Indeed, it's a black and white world. She then rather directly tells him Uncle Judd is dead. Uh, Topher seems to process it coolly, saying he was a policeman. Policemen die. Topher is going to be the one to tell his sisters tomorrow. Then he smashes that castle down.
1: He wants to watch TV, to which Angela, after he had gotten into the fight at school, uh, relents and allows him to watch it. She kisses the girls goodnight before A gratuitous FCC content warning, Matt, about the emotionally harmful American hero story. Young children should not view it under any circumstances, even if under adult supervision. I love that Cal is next to Topher and they're watching So's uh, Looking Glass with his mask up and a TV dinner. So are some... Rorschach mask wearing 7th Cavalry members as they uh, solder a suicide vest. And it begins our show within a show, essentially the attached document for this issue and episode with a body in the water.
0: Pete, I don't know who watches The Watchmen, but apparently in their universe, the FCC watches all the shows first. (laughs) Indeed, this one Pete rated TVX oh my uh but what are they watching it's the story of rolf mueller narrating from beyond let's start at the beginning and then pete the story moves to 1938 with a rather familiar headline
1: one other point about the body so you have to know to look for it but uh it's only wearing one shoe a la chief crawford when he was found interesting yeah yeah Um, So October 30th, Matt, hey, that's today as we're recording and releasing this episode, 1938, um, when the alien invasion radio hoax, the War of the Worlds had taken place, blared out in the New York Gazette. Uh, Four men walk into Fred's original market wearing uh, bandana style masks. Uh, they prepare to stick it up. They fire two shots. They want the safe opened. The man behind the counter maintains they have no safe. Uh, and Zack Snyder, 2009 Watchmen movie style, Matt, his right ear is shot, and the bullet goes into the glass holding the candy uh, behind him. And I love the the parody angle of this dramatic presentation.
0: I mean, look, regardless of where you, the listener land on Zack Snyder's skills, regardless on where Lindelof and crew uh, land on Zack Snyder's presentation of Watchmen, the movie, this has got to be them having a go a little bit. And it's within the having go at Zack Snyder and his style. Yes. It's within the story within a story and it's within this sensationalist presentation and we've been told uh, that you know you can't quite trust this because it's being juiced up and we have PTpedia stuff saying you know that they, they mix stuff together just for the ratings and all that. But, I mean, come on. Taking the shard of glass and stab, 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 stab. And then guy has gun. And <laughs> you can see the guy pointing the gun at you. Then you take the guy who you're stabbing and turn him around. Bang, 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 bang. He Human shield all style. Yeah, like I mean, it's, for, it's so over the top.
1: For me, the coup de grace with the cash register after he's you know just smashed this guy's face into the counter again and again. Who are you? Uh, And we get the close-up of Hooded Justice in the full comic uh, authentic outfit here. But, Matt, I want to draw your attention to the eyes because I think what they're going to be doing to us – and there's a lot visually to support this. We'll talk more in the the crank file – Uh, they're going to be calling this some some fake news. There is a Caucasian man under hooded justice's mask.
0: Yes, which certainly is in line with the Rolf Mueller theory. Uh, I think that American hero story deconstructs that a bit. I think, too, anybody who's read the novel enough to say, well, for the purposes of the novel, I guess it was probably Rolf Mueller and the comedian killed Rolf Mueller, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we could be setting up uh, the zig against which one gets the zag. Uh, but the narrator, at least the fictional narrator here um, says that he was never comfortable with who he was anger and thirst for justice mixed. Who is he? If he knows the answer, he wouldn't be wearing a mask. I think here, Pete, we have an evocation of Rorschach's voice by American hero story. And you can't claim that Lindelof is ripping off Rorschach's voice because it's Lindelof using American hero story to rip off Rorschach. And that's okay.
1: It's artfully done. We transition from that, the narration over Angela's ride to the wake at the Crawfords. Uh, She has flowers. There are uh, any number of Caucasian Well wishers there. She, the only person of color, uh, she meets with Jane and then Joe Keene, you know, Senator, just Joe, uh, he is there. Um, uh, Jane has to call him Senator because she works for him, uh, used to work for him, but uh, Judd was a great man, he says. All the resources Angela needs. But uh, she's not a cop anymore. She's she's retired.
0: Yes, a suspicious moment there. And uh, one that I don't know how deeply we're going to dig into when we talk theories. But I think certainly it's the, it's the authors saying, let's stick a pin in this because this could become a thing later on. Uh, suddenly Angela is lightheaded and indeed passes out. Uh, the story quickly moves to a bedroom where Jane is uh, letting her rest. Angela's come to. Uh, Jane says, take all the time you need. She leaves. Turns out, Pete, Angela didn't just pass out, you know, accidentally. It was an on-purpose. She's there to use her x-ray specs to search the bedroom. Uh, and indeed, the bedroom of the late Judd and uh, his, his very large changing area. And uh, that of course, is not all. Q.
1: Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor mm, tch, mm, tch, music, the, uh, the X-ray goggles here, the photo of, uh, we presume, Judd Crawford with his father, a grandfather, uh, again prominently featured. A hidden closet, just like, you know, Rorschach found in Edward Blake's home. And inside it, a clan robe and hood with a badge affixed. Uh, Suddenly, Angela hits the stairs. She leaves. And we close in
0: on a painting. Pete, that a painting called Comanche Feats of Horsemanship, painted in the 1830s. Wait a minute, Pete. That's like the name of this episode. Um, I can't wait to dig in more on that. But first, Pete, we go from a painting with the horses to Jeremy Irons and his Lord of the Country Estate character on a horse. Whoa up, Becephalus. Time to grab a tomato from the tall tree?
1: <laughs> yes, the uh, horse's name is the same as Alexander the Great. If if only, Matt, we knew someone with an Alexander the Great fetish. Another reference in a little bit. Um He bites the tomato from the tree, uh, doesn't spit it out, but squeezes it in disgust, wrings his hand of it. Uh, We transition to his servants clad in lab coats, singing for he's a Jolly Good fellow with a cake again, which he just wants to get through. And then uh, he asks Miss Crookshanks what seems like a riddle. When is a lie? Not a lie.
0: The answer is Pete when it's acting uh, because it's time for the performance of the play which he had written. Uh, Phillips would like that watch back as a prop and uh, Jeremy Irons wonders what if Phillips is the prop? On with the show Dimwitz. <laughs> He'd like
1: so many things to occur to him. Uh, Gila Flats, 1959 reads the banner of Matt and Crookshanks and Phillips exchange a very dramatic kiss before we're told in the exposition of the stage this is the happiest six months of Janie Slattery's life um, and John Osterman's as well. There is a masked violinist providing accompaniment for this here. Uh, is there time for another beer before they go? Um, but Janie doesn't have her watch. has John fixed it yet? He has indeed, but he must have left it in the intrinsic field generator. Eureka there it is.
0: delivered with the must be in the in the intrinsic field generator, almost a. Uh, data and lore type hiccup there (laughs) pete i'm reminded of a comment made uh, by julianne moore about a film that um of course i never saw because it has naughty bits uh called the boogie nights in which she uh she talks about how it's difficult to act poorly on purpose and what we have here are two solid actors in the actors uh portraying phillips and crookshanks giving this wonderful kind of stagey you know, back of the audience. Can you see me? Look, it is over there. Uh, they're they're giving a great bad performance. Um, and uh, ultimately, Phillips gets locked in the uh, intrinsic field generator box. And Pete, it's as it's as impenetrable as as. Oh no, Pete, what is it?
1: The Gordian knot itself, dimwit. Uh, of course, another Alexander the Great callback there. The masked musician changes from the violin to the drums, there, ticking off, pounding off even the seconds. They can't open the box. It it's, and suddenly uh, we have the last moments here of John Osterman.
0: Yes, and what has been a, you know, rather uh, threadbare stage presentation. Um, turns into this real moment as the lord of the country state pushes the plunger down real fire taking phillips away i I won't quite venture to say killing phillips but certainly ending phillips um then look up in the sky it's the very (laughs) naked very blue dr manhattan reborn pete i can only share an anecdote from one who views uh, things in the world differently than I. Uh, my wife was not as impressed by this presentation of Dr. Manhattan as she was uh, in the movie 10 years ago. I, I, I don't quite know exactly what she's referring to, but apparently this was a little less captivating.
1: Well, uh, we do know from actor Tom Misson, this was indeed a prosthetic that he was wearing and not actual equipment. But uh, the violinist switches over to *Flight of the Valkyries* as the blue actor is lowered. Is that you, John? It is both John and not John, says the man through the mesh mask with the uh, the white eyes with the black outline and the uh, the symbol that Doctor Manhattan had appointed for himself. He is past present and future all at once boundless omniscience incarnate swirling in the luminous plasma of a newborn star and uh is this the end well as dr manhattan and also the lord of a country estate uh repeat nothing ever ends
0: uh turns out that there are are other Phillipses, kind of. Uh, this particular one is called Montrose. We also have other female copies. Uh, but Montrose, can't he just be called the New Phillips? Boy, Pete, that makes it easy for us. New Phillips, henceforth known as uh Phillips. Uh the body, the old one, is gonna be put in the basement with the others, but not before the watch gets taken back by the Lord of the Country Estate, by, you know peeling back the finger, breaking it, and taking the watch. Pete, only on second view did I notice after a little tap-tap that watch, took a lickin still a-tickin'.
1: Nothing ever ends, and we transition back from that to an egg timer in Angela's bakery, um, and the cuffs are off. Will is by the stove, not handcuffed anymore angela returns and wants to know what he's doing he's cooking some eggs does she like them hard-boiled where did he get eggs matt because this is not a working bakery he got them from the grocery store across the street he left and came back well they're not done talking yet
0: it's just a wonderful scene one filled with uh you know ongoing mystery only further mystery by the time the scene and the episode ends um she says though that she did find the skeletons in crawford's closet though wait a minute will didn't mean it literally um she kind of doubts the truth of it she's saying it was almost too easy to find pete i must confess that did not occur to me uh on initial viewing that it was so obviously proof that judd was a bad bad man Uh, I know in part because we are expecting Judd to be a bad, bad man. Um, But I just love that the show kind of is self-aware enough to, you know, to have her say this was too easy. Um, But besides Pete, Will can't go upstairs. How would he have gotten up there and place it there? Um, Ultimately, she threatens to take him in, uh, but she would have done that if she wanted to. Besides, he's got friends in high places. Pete, surely he doesn't mean that literally, Right
1: not at all, as he reaches into a boiling pot and pulls out an egg with no reaction whatsoever. More on that in a little bit. The phone rings. We find out from the disembodied uh, telephone voice that Will is eligible for the Victims of Racial Violence Act, or what we also refer to as VORVA. Uh, He has two ancestors, two descendants. Uh, Interesting the way they go about it over the phone. Uh, He can say a name and they can confirm it. Angela says her name, which confirms for us that she is his
0: granddaughter. Will is surprised that she is surprised. Uh, Her parents didn't tell her anything about Grandpa Will. Uh, Now... What do you want to know? Uh, she knows that she's definitely going to arrest him. Um, outside, she lifts him into the car. I guess, thank goodness, Pete, that nobody was outside to see a bakery o- owner arresting an old man. Um, then, Pete, overhead, a ship flies. We don't see it. Uh, Pete, even if we pull what I like to call a Game of Thrones and turn the brightness up all the way, we don't see much. Um then a giant magnet pulls at her car uh, and he smiles as her car gets lifted up, up and away. I loved how um, the juxtaposition of
1: the, the scene, she's lifting him out of the wheelchair. It's a hug to the grandfather she's never known, but it's not. She makes sure his head doesn't hit the, the top of the door She's processing all of this, and then uh, he's pulled away. The leaflet left to uh, flutter back down as the Beastie Boys' Eggman. That, of course, uh, as the rap correspondent for Fantastic Geek, uh, I will inform Matt and, you know, by proxy, our listeners, uh, that that track comes from uh, what is known as the White Album of Rap.
0: let's open the crank file to dive into some crackpot theories Pete first one up let's circle back to that painting Comanche feats of horsemanship uh, basically it talks about this um, this uh, skill that was learned by tribesmen to ride on the side of the horse uh, effectively screening his enemy's weapons as he kind of you know lays on the side of the horse uh, while still riding it and uh, of course being this this daring brave thing to do.
1: You mean like uh the real murderer uh using the 7th cavalry as patsy's the real hooded justice using rolf Mueller uh as a fake identity like that?
0: I, I suppose by extension you could also say any of these masks are you know the the physical masks and the concepts of masks in law enforcement you know, that is a, that is a layer of protection to hide what you're doing. So certainly layers there, but I think most immediately the ones you've pointed out there, Pete.
1: Also the human shield in the, uh, American horror story, uh, presentation that that's gotta be, you know, some of the, uh, some of the, the most prescient, uh, martial feats of Comanche horsemanship.
0: Uh, moving on in the old theory scope here, Pete, reference is made in that phone call to Will having two descendants, uh, obviously one being Angela. Can we assume the other descendant is, you know, Will's child, Angela's mother or father?
1: I don't know. I think it might be a red herring. It might just be, okay, there were descendants. Obviously, Angela is the most important one, He is there, wanted to tell her where she came from, this backstory. Um, She's lived her life not knowing of a connection to him, not knowing of a connection specifically to the Greenwood Massacre, and now she has this. Um, So what this does to upend her world, apart from the fact that she's just met him and now he's been magneted away,
0: so since we're in a in in a story bit here talking about um the the greenwood massacre and all of that can we assume then that angela and perhaps cal's um uh, reparations came not from that but because of the attack on the white knight that that was their victimization which made them eligible for the victims of racial violence act is that where it's come from
1: it's unclear um you have to wonder have there been several rounds of reparations were there reparations made to descendants of slaves were there reparations we know there were reparations made to people who uh experienced this racial violence um there's as you mentioned in our recap and we'll talk again about now you know, this, this protester says equal rights, equal taxes. So second episode, second time we've had a reference to people not paying taxes, um, perhaps as a form of reparation that African Americans are tax exempt. We don't definitively have that, but it's a part of their world.
0: And I did find it interesting. I know we we touched on this a bit before, but insofar as the show needs with its what 150 days that had the writing room opened before they started shooting scripts or something like that you know they need a realistic real world might not be our world but a real world mechanism to do reparations like this if you're searching for a a massive kind of uh, racial and ethnic shift here and you go back to japanese americans well either the person was in an internment camp or they weren't. And if they were, there's the records. And I know the amount of money given to the survivors in the 1980s, I want to say it was like forty or $50,000. George Takei's take was, you know, it's a nice amount of money, but that doesn't reopen the business that was owned in 1942 and have it be thriving again and things like that. So it actually wasn't a lot of money. But it seems to me that the show here for Watchmen It seems like it's working with systems that work for their story in terms of specific, uh, you know, racial violence acts, getting certain reparations there, taxes also being a factor, whether it's tax on that as income or just less tax in general. Um, I, I couldn't even begin to hazard a guess how would this work in our world, but it seems like they've come up with something that that has an internal logic to meet the story needs and kind of sound realistic, um, sound functional.
1: And I hesitate to say low hanging, uh, fruit here, but the petty resentment of racists that, you know, there's another sign there on the way into the Greenwood cultural center that we see that says, you got a sorry, What do you want to hand out as if apologizing for what African Americans in their heritage have endured is is enough that we can't you know, one of one of the most compelling things I've heard as far as a possible strategy for reparations would be the idea of either uh, college educations or significant loans towards college education. Um, you know, there is the argument, handouts. You know, I think of Dave Chappelle and, and you know, laughter being a, a way to broach a serious subject. And, you know, years ago on The Chappelle Show, they did a skit about, well, what if reparations were made and the potential for it to be misspent? Um, and, and that's true of any possible group uh, where Chappelle, you know, as a member of a, a minority, turned it into humor, talked about the, the things that would most likely be misspent on, uh, and diving in, of course, to, to cliches and, and stereotypes. But um, so interesting, the thing about the taxes and a, a, an apology and these, we can presume, racist, probably... Cavalry members hanging outside the Greenwood Center protesting this.
0: Well, Pete, moving on to something with uh, let's say a little bit less of a serious real-world dialogue here. Uh, I wanted my Hooded Justice story. I got my Hooded Justice story. Two-part question here for you, Pete. Number one, has American Hero Story pinched Hooded Justice's tone from Rorschach? You know, all that I put on my face. And two, will we get the reveal of Hooded Justice's real, real, for realsies identity? I don't think on the show necessarily. I
1: don't think the American Hero Story writer's room is speaking with Will. I mean, there's very, very heavy implication that he is Hooded Justice. Um, He's wearing purple and red, as is Hooded Justice, there's the broken noose, the symbolism there. Um, We know that Hooded Justice from from the graphic novel was a Nazi sympathizer. Will, as a child, read the German leaflet and um, may or may not have returned home from a life in Germany. Uh, So interesting there. I think interesting as well is the potential that Hooded Justice was culturally misappropriated. Um, You don't need to dive much to find out that Hooded Justice in the graphic novel originally was conceived as a character named,
0: Matt, are you sitting down? I am. Brother Knight. Wow. Uh, And I assume that that obviously is you know, that was something in the creation of the novel, not within the world of the novel. But I mean, I can see the, and and I'm sure everyone can see kind of the creative DNA that now has gone into sister night, let alone all of this support that you've given for the reveal that, uh, will was Hooded justice.
1: I mean, he's even wearing a hoodie underneath his outfit in the wheelchair. Uh, I think they're very heavily, uh, inferring, that it's him. We also know that, um, Hooded Justice was known to be into some rough stuff, Matt, a little of the old, uh, S and the M. And what do we see him do? Uh, he throws back a steaming cup of coffee, drinks most of it in a gulp, and later plunges his hand into a boiling pot of water and doesn't react. So, We know the only person in this world known to have powers is Dr. Manhattan, but it would seem that if Will is indeed hooded justice, as I believe, and I think we're meant to be led to believe at this point, that there might be some issues with pain reception.
0: So last week's PTpedia entries, I think, gave some really great insight into the world Uh, Of Watchmen this week, I have to admit, I was a little bit let down. uh, The clipping of uh, Chief Crawford's, the the newspaper clipping of covering Chief Crawford's death, you know, by and large, interesting stuff. You know, it's kind of sizzly that he was in Vietnam with Robert Mueller. But I don't know that we're then meant to conclude much from it. Just Um,
1: for the uninitiated, Matt, in case someone's been living under a rock for the last two and a half years, Robert Mueller, of course, being the special counsel uh, appointed to investigate the Russian interference into the 2016 presidential election.
0: (laughs) Funny where you can crop up when, you know, we're now in the world of the show. We're now great friends with the communist nation of Russia. Uh, Side note, Pete, with uh, Red Scare calling himself a communist, can we just assume that communist Russia chugged along now that we're in you know, peace and harmony in the 1980s, moving forward due to the squid attack, etc. I mean, I think
1: they've settled their differences as far as the military is concerned. Now, now it's just an ideology.
0: Um, but bottom line here, I, again, I was a little disappointed. Maybe that's just the old, the old, you know, the hunt for for lost and things like that. Um, you know, we get the Mueller thing as mentioned. We get a little bit of background there's the uh there's the memo by dale peaty about vigilantes in in uh pop culture kind of finger wagging this presentation of american hero story uh maybe the least fun to read was the uh legal finding from the united states court of appeals for the 10th court in 2004 uh basically opening the door for um something that could look like reparations for specific events particularly this uh being the greenwood survivors suing uh, oklahoma tulsa and the tulsa police department the one interesting thing from that who was the lead counsel representing the greenwood survivors johnny l cochran jr um beyond that I, I, again Pete, i was a little bit let down particularly as somebody who was like you know feverishly reading week one's ptpedias and saying oh man there's this connection there's that the other this was just kind of like a fun addition but not much
1: I'm glad that they returned to it, but you're right. It was not as juicy as the first week, Um, but some insights nonetheless, Mueller, Johnny Cochran, you know, personally, uh, you know, would have appreciated if maybe Jackie Charles had uh, (laughs) represented uh, the, the Greenwood, uh, you know, uh, descendants. Uh, He, of course, the uh, Johnny Cochran clone from Seinfeld.
0: So we have American Hero Story getting this stamp of TVX by the FCC. Uh, I don't know how deep you you or me or one wants to dig into this. I'll just point out TVs, movies, comics, video games. These are all self-regulated in our world, self-regulated by their industries. Yes, there's the MPAA, which has this weird thing where if you say F once, it's okay. It's PG-13. If you say it twice, it's R. Yes, it's the same MPAA where... A woman may be topless, but not touch someone in that scene uh, or she can be nude but not show the bosom uh, and they can touch. And yes, there's these weird things that's just become PG13 versus R, but ultimately it's, you know, it's a group funded by the studios, it's self-regulation. a little creepy that now it's big government. you know, it's Redford's America. It's big government that now is saying this is acceptable or not.
1: Well, the explanation by the newsstand owner Seymour there that it's a Redford and his Stoppo. its false flags. So of course there's the belief that a liberal uh, government is overreaching into rights. Uh, you know, a communist working for the Tulsa Police Department, Matt—it—it's—it's it's all that pinko redford we need we need joe jr to to clean things up as he's announced his run for the presidency here maybe he'll unseat redford and uh
0: you know right the
1: wrongs
0: right well you know what pete it is i think it's mentioned in and only in this week's ptpedia which i just said didn't give us interesting insight uh that he is republican joe jr is so republican contender redford the democrat uh, declining to run again uh let's pete let's leave tulsa entirely for a moment uh the lord of the country estate a uh, pile of dead automatons in the basement is this west world <laughs> and the fact that he bitterly says nothing ever ends does that tip the scales to suggesting even more so that he is the Vite? Of the comic book and not a hologram, not a you know Rorschach pretending to be Doctor Manhattan, pretending to be, <laughs> be Night Owl, pretending to be Vite. You know, is that a? I'm not saying Pete, tell me if it's Vite, yes or no. But is that isn't that an awfully big tick in the column of Jeremy Irons is playing Vite, Period.
1: It's definitely not, not Doctor Manhattan. I think we've ruled that off off now with uh, enough evidence. Um, I didn't detect the bitterness of it I got more of a weariness of nothing ever ends so what you're proposing is that he's stuck that he can't end it um the stuff with the servants I mean we have to presume they're clones at this point and it's funny that we came from Joe Jr. uh to now the uh, the clones Joe Jr. is called by the newsstand owner a clone of his daddy. Is the clone of Senator Keene Matt running as uh, Redford's uh, opposition?
0: I think if they want to connect clones at the country estate, you know, kind of organic clones um whether they're sped up in attack of the clone style or whatever just but you know kind of flesh and blood creatures if the show is meaning to connect that to joe jr also being a test tube clone of his father i wouldn't go quite that far I and mean, i feel like at a certain point people are going to say it's weird that joe jr at 34 looked exactly looks exactly <laughs> like his father at 34 and 33 and th- and so on and so forth um there's a bevy of evidence to suggest that the staff at the country estate uh, is 100% organic. I mean, my goodness, we see uh, Phillips, Phillips I, uh, you know, we see him burn uh, as, you know, as a meat bag does. We see the bone broken back and the finger and all of that. I still just get this whiff. Hopefully it's not a smoky whiff, but I, I still get this whiff that, you know, if. I'm gonna stick with automatons because I feel like there could be some sort of third rail, third option between human clone things, but but human nonetheless, and you know Cylons. robots. That's what uh, you
1: want to say, right?
0: Well, I mean something to be completely honest, something like Cylons, where it's this, you know, this organic robot of sorts. That's why you know I don't love that term, organic robot, uh, Pete. I don't know if it's pejorative, but that's why I'm sticking with automatons. I feel like there's. You know, whether they're born out of the goo or whether they're all, you know, whatever it is, I feel like there's something. I mean, I return back to what I said last week. You can teach a very small child, you know, that a horseshoe is not good at cutting cake. They seem to have no idea. I feel like there's a gap here, which maybe, you know, maybe it'll just be explained by, and they're grown super quickly. So they're all 10 days old and they're all, you know, they really are dummies. I just feel like it somehow doesn't all add up.
1: Well, so much going on on the country estate this episode. We begin with the tomato on the tree. And in case you don't know anything about vegetation, tomatoes don't grow on trees like that. They grow from vines. They hang rather low, certainly not high enough to be picked off a tree uh, that he eats it. As I said before, it doesn't spit it out, so it would at least seem palatable, but he knows it shouldn't be there. And again, he's the surrogate for the audience. Um, He seems at the beginning of his time, Jeremy Irons character uh, uh, in this episode, increasingly frustrated with his servants um, singing To him, again, presenting him with a cake, you have to wonder, like, is it his anniversary every day to them? Or has more time passed? We don't know. Um, Is he attempting with the play to recreate Dr. Manhattan? Is he trying to turn one of these clones into his very own Dr. Manhattan?
0: i'm sticking with my theory that this is the most you know gold gilded cage that one could imagine uh he's living this kind of downton abbey experience but pete it's with staff that doesn't canoodle nor do they steal steal the silverware that sort of thing heck pete they don't even leave the grounds um so it sounds in this twilight zone ask you know there's a twilight zone episode where you get everything you could ever wish for and that's that's the damnation which is occurring Uh, this feels like a prison where congrats you have staff you have endless staff and you can you know you want to follow the pursuit of write a play in the nudes and have it performed and direct it and you know have all these props and whatnot. you have all of that but it still is a prison Um, that really really is the sense I get that's a bit more grounded than my other theory Pete which is this Uh, stick with me here then tell me if you think this is a good theory or not he has the tomato, 8th top uh tomato producing state in the United States New Jersey what's the place <laughs> in the war of the worlds radio broadcast from 1938 ah. where the aliens land New Jersey is he somehow not in Wales is he somehow trapped uh in New Jersey maybe perhaps a stones throw away at some I don't know converted golf course or something stones throw away from the very New York that the Redford administration knows he attacked that last part is actually the heart of the theory that Redford turned on him because they found out the truth. Um but Pete is it all tomato necked? Shades
1: of a third uh science fiction story, that of course, uh, dude, where's my car? where uh the keepers of the continuum transfunctioner are about to banish the bad guys to Hoboken, New Jersey. Um being natives of the state of New Jersey as we are, uh, there are very few locations that look like that in New Jersey. Now, in their alternate universe, who's to say? Um, I but, Northwest
0: New Jersey, you might be able to find some, some maybe, spots like that. Maybe you know? I've
1: been to, you know, Hack Hackettstown, uh, Has, uh, you know, uh, attended a, a wedding there with a structure very, very similar, although nowhere near as. Expansive, so it can't can't rule it out, but I, I I don't think he's
0: he's in New Jersey. Pete, where's uh, Damon Lindelof from? I think we've gotten to something <laughs> T-neck, here. New
1: Jersey, same same place that I was born, uh, but I think it's more of a situation. I think it's a little bit of a compromise of the two. I think he's a prisoner, but I think he's a prisoner with Manhattan's new life. Almost like his burden is to educate them. Perhaps the play is a veiled way to get them to understand some empathy. I mean, it also serves the purpose for the audience of giving them in a less strictly expository, more narrative way, the backstory of John Osterman and Janie Slattery. You know, I talked to a colleague who's watching the show who has no knowledge of the graphic novel nor the movie, and it's like, What what was that with the play and explaining, you know, all right, that's from the graphic novel. They're doing a fairly faithful uh, recreation of, of what happened. So it does serve a purpose for the audience. I think we're we're still left to be curious as to where exactly this is heading and what it is.
0: Especially if I don't know you're going to be introducing Dr. Manhattan on Earth at any point soon. Pete, one more theory question for me. Who's flying the flying ship? I mean, again, I, I think
1: Lady True is, is somebody who's a possibility. Um, not having met her yet, not knowing her capabilities other than, you know, the, the trailers that we've seen, uh, I, I think, again, it's 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 supposed to be mysterious and open-ended what a what a zinger to end the episode with this gigantic magnet from some unseen spotlight wielding ship um that's my guess at this point i don't think we have anybody else we can point to do owl ships now have these magnets we've never seen that before
0: and it certainly was a giant magnet too like i i I just think of the stereotypical, you know, oh no, your hero is in the trunk and then the car has been taken to the junkyard and here comes the magnet to crush the car. Like, it's not as big as that. So I'm expecting, I guess, something bigger than an owl ship. But I guess, Pete, I don't really particularly know the physics of an owl ship too well to begin with. So all's fair, et cetera, et cetera.
1: The beginning of the episode, Matt, I like to, you know, take my uh my theories chronologically um the woman who is asked with the fluent english her last name Mueller, gotta be connected to rolf right
0: i mean it certainly seems like a small world i don't know how popular a last name Mueller is in uh, in germany but even if it's the most popular name uh this is not you know weirdo connections between lincoln's and kennedy's that Exists. This is a written piece of fiction, so either it's a lousy, forgotten detail, unlikely, or there's got to be some kind of connection.
1: Lots of talk about Dr. Manhattan's powers in this episode, but we're told specifically he can change the color of his skin. Um, when has he done that? He's, he's put uh, on— he- When
0: he was on TV uh, getting accused of the cancer, uh, he made himself a shade bluer. I think it's a reference to that. Uh, Maybe you should listen to Fantastic Geeks' podcast on the graphic novel. I I vaguely
1: remember that. I was uh, driving at, you know, are the clothes real or are they, you know, oh, I am now clothed. The one thing they do in the graphic novel that didn't make the movie is when he wears the non-suit outfit because they didn't want to draw him nude, you know, making uh, mobsters' bodies explode in uh, in Moloch's den of iniquity because uh, that would have been messy. Um, but uh, all right, I'll I'll accept that explanation global squid falls baffle scientists matt so it has been 34 years since the giant squid massacre um and we have squid fall simultaneously in four cities and this is still baffling scientists like how don't they understand this are is there not satellite surveillance is there not uh weather prediction
0: how elaborate is this hoax no there's not satellites no there's not prediction if you're thinking of the technology that we have today uh referring back to last week's uh ptpedia stuff if there was this global slowdown on technology uh because there was the concern the technology somehow had attracted the squids then certainly nobody's open up, you know, taking out their iPhone. They're not opening up weather underground. They're not seeing the storm front coming in. Um, if you want to add the layer of government conspiracy, because we know it wasn't technology that caused the squid. We know it was Vite. Uh, how much does the government know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there was reference last week in the PDPedia stuff to uh, feelings that there was a, a cooling between the, the friendship of Vite and Redford in the late 90s, I want to say um so you know it yes there's this conspiracy and could there be more government technology out there you know weather satellites and things like that um i I think there were weather satellites started to get launched in the late 70s um but if the government's in on it then of course they're going to say none of this shows up on radar until it happens um I just find it's interesting.
1: interdimensional and stuff.
0: Well, exactly, exactly. And we know that that's not true. Uh, at least we can safely assume that that's not true. I find it interesting that they're exploring this notion. I can only assume because Redford has been in office so long, it's that, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And fine, he doesn't have absolute power, but he's been in there too long. And now these things of, you know, Sundance, the cowboy, uh, the the cowboy president, etc. He's got to be complicit in a lot of this stuff. And I feel like the the leading edge of that are these squid storms.
1: Both Lost and the Leftovers, two productions that Damien Lindelof has run before were really, really good at the out-of-left field uh explanations uh partial narratives for story conceits Uh, in the leftovers. One of my favorite things they ever did was the submarine prologue at the beginning of a third season episode where on a French submarine, uh, a sailor goes a wall and I'm not going to spoil anything, but he finds a way to turn both keys on a nuclear submarine using some yoga. We'll just leave it like that. Um, I imagine and I'm going to feel incomplete, Matt, as a uh, recipient of this story, as somebody who likes to tell these types of stories if at some point during the season we don't get a flash away to a facility where the baby squids are cloned or created and then dumped, teleported onto people,
0: I Zeppelin. need,
1: I need a three-minute, you know, uh, out there explanation that that will open up just as many questions as it answers. Um, at some point this season please please make it happen
0: you need a three minute you know ballad of the squid man and it's just <laughs> you know it's it's Henry workman you know uh, a yes. temporary name kind of going to work love you sweetie carrying the thermos of coffee going oh, in Daddy you
1: smell when you come home from work
0: yeah you know oh well, well that's,
1: that's because daddy works at the landfill
0: exactly and he goes to the middle of the 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 trash heap where there's a door and he opens it and it leads down into a hatch welcome back damon um and there's bleeps and bloops and there's you know walls with computers and lights and whatnot and you know activate the you know insert latin for squid um i I said it before pete zeppelin i'm actually gonna that just came came in my head as you were listing you know various uh uh, you know, squid insertion points. There are a lot of these Zeppelins here. That is a way, you know, the Zeppelin goes by, shoots it up two miles into the air. The Zeppelin then putters along and an hour later it rains squid. Um, I think there's times where this nerdy, geeky stuff can be a distraction to the main narrative of, uh, you know, this family of racial perceptions and things like that. But darn it, if Watchmen isn't the place to have your cake and eat it with squid, topping two or whatever like i (laughs) i equally expect to fully understand the squid thing by the end of the episode you know desmond in in the hatch style where you go oh so that's it now i understand it
1: yeah and i i like how you uh explain it there having your your cake and eating it too um i gotta push back on the technology though so you're talking about the zeppelins um here we have the motharazzi the uh the cameramen with these moth man style backpacks because we have that in our world well, right on that
0: it's a it's a flappy wing thing i mean if you want to say well physically that wouldn't one. work
1: i but, i want one okay but, i was told there'd be hoverboards matt um <laughs> i have a mattel hoverboard four feet from where i'm recording this right now but uh spoiler alert it doesn't hover
0: I think that the type of technology um, that that the P2Pedia uh, memo from the director of the FBI had sent out definitely was talking kind of the you know the, the electronic, the um, computer-based technology. So again, do I exactly understand how those wings really should work? No. It did, however, look like flapping wings, combustion engine, all technology that existed. 30 40 years ago uh, in the current form to make somebody fly okay i'll grant if i'll grant you that or if that's a little spark of fiction where, that will allow it but you know again the ability to take out your iphone and check you know check all radar information within 500 miles around you any of us can do that you open weather underground or the weather channel or whatever and you zoom out ta-da, you see it all they don't live in that world and in you know in that lack of information yeah you could be hiding squid stuff
1: who is now in charge of the tulsa pd it's hinted that it might be angela is it her is it red scare is it someone we haven't met yet
0: well again the PDPedia stuff from this week that i dismissed it does make passing reference I, I here's maybe why i dismissed it pete last week i said uh judd crawford shows his face in public surely because there needs to be a public face to this public institution the police Pete PDPedia confirmed that this week so i can understand on the one hand how there might not be a public flow chart to go from public face to masked person but it now does present this kind of basic governance issue of the chief is gone who's the new chief is it going to be not sister knight but coming out of retirement angela abar and sister knight no longer works for tulsa pd wait where's clark here's superman um i don't know but you lodge in a show that's built in a show that's come up with legal documents to support reparations and has thought through how that would happen. The lack of an org chart to figure out who's in charge now. I'm assuming that's not a story mistake. That's just maybe next week. It's like, Oh man, they've named somebody else or whatever it is that needs to be addressed fairly soon.
1: Panda. It's going to be Panda. It better be Panda.
0: Bring back more Panda.
1: (laughs) Um, Did Crawford shoot. Angela. We have the uh, the gunman go uh, without punishment, assuming he's still around. We go literally from the cut of the gunman over her with the shotgun to
0: him over her at the bed. This can't be coincidental. I mean, the visual narrative suggests greatly that it's him the spatial closeness of shooter standing over her cut to judd sitting over her that's all suggestive of it could it be a red herring it could could it just be a coincidence i'm sure you can look at you know pick an episode of nypd blue where somebody gets hurt and you, you know just because somebody's knocked over by one guy and then the next scene is them in the hospital it doesn't mean that the nurse did it So I think there's plenty of room for it not to be, but you're not hiring these great directors, great cinematographers, great editors, uh, great musicians to then say, oh, just do like a standard thing. You know, like you're asking everybody to be paid a lot of money on this super expensive show to really do high-end stuff with their portion of the craft. It's funny, when you were asking the question, I literally like made a sad face. Like it was like, oh, That was kind of the look on my face because I don't want it to be, but the evidence is taking us there.
1: It continues to mount. The question for me remains, what is the scope and scale of the police officers wearing masks? Is this a Tulsa PD thing? Is this a throughout the United States thing? Um, It seems the white knight was just Tulsa but did this have a chilling effect for the rest of the country?
0: Insofar as it looks like the door was opened for reparations nationally uh, by the Greenwood Survivor case, uh, I think it might be logical, although it's a tenuous step to take, but I think that it would be logical to assume that that this could extend to other communities maybe they need to you know to activate you know you know we saw kind of you know activate article four we can use guns now maybe there's a similar thing of you know we are invoking the tulsa protocol here in you know here in uh, ogden utah whatever it might be you know maybe um i think that probably the best answer would be This story takes place in Tulsa, and we are going to stay in Tulsa, with the exceptions of wherever the hell Vite or not Vite is, and whenever we might cut to Mars. But we're not going all over everywhere. We're just looking here, and uh, the people don't need to actually answer that. We're going to go back and make (laughs) Johnny Cochran legal arguments uh, because this is something that we don't need to focus on for this story.
1: This relative at angela's home to visit with the kids who accepts the reparations check gets his his day bought out um gotta be related to her partner right were were there racist are there racist family members
0: yeah i kind of read it as you know uncle guy so whether it was uh doyle's brother or uh doyle's uh, wife's uh, brother, that's just kind of how I read it, um, having the visitation rights, I, I think that would be in line with it. I mean, I i, I must confess, I don't know exactly. Let, let, let's take White Knight out of it. Let's take police stuff out of it. You know, somebody who's connected to but not a family member is the one that does the adoption. It seems logical enough to me that they would say, and the surviving uncle gets to see them you know, twice a month, you know, whatever it is that, that, that sounds completely reasonable. Uh, The fact that there then is now a a, a race subtext to it, uh, I think just feeds the overall story.
1: Foreshadow alert, Matt. Cal is dressed as a ghost playing with the children. He is then told by Angela, he must walk the plank. Um, Is he safe?
0: Walk the planks. Isn't there also a reference to like so the sharks can eat him? Um, I skip over the shark pages in the graphic <laughs> novel. I actually rereading it for the podcast. I was like, I just need to put sticky notes here so I can read again without fear or concern. Um, that is I'm not
1: Afraid of sharks, people. So send your squeaky sharks to uh, care of Matt Lafferty.
0: Uh, no sharks. Thank you. Gummy um, sharks.
1: Baby uh, sharks.
0: I would say, I mean, Cal should be worried if he knew he was in a fictional narrative. Period. At the end. He's being presented as a ghost <laughs> walking the plank, who might get eaten by sharks. The only way this gets worse is if they go to dinner and there's a sword hanging above his head uh, <laughs> by a mere uh, hair of uh, Adrian hair off Adrian Veidt's head, and he, you know, he might any moment move and cause it to drop on him, or it might drop on him regardless.
1: First reference to something haven't happened to Angela's parents that she remembers it. What happened to her parents?
0: That's one of those things too, where maybe it unlocks everything. You know, maybe this is the, the lost 1970s Island flashback. Um, or maybe it's just a narrative way to say there's the grandfather and uh, something, something parents. Uh, and then on to our hero now. Wait a minute. Heroes need dead parents, right? Uh, uh, you know, Iron Man, yes. Clark Kent, yes. Batman, yes, etc. cetera. Um, my gut tells me we're not going to get a whole lot on the parents. Usually my gut points in the right direction, 180 degrees wrong. So that probably means, Pete, that the parents are going <laughs> to unlock all the meaning and when they finally come through the time portal and say hello Angela I'm your mom can we also be best friends that's when we're going to go now it all makes sense
1: last one from me Matt so uh, Joe Keene Jr. Senator is at the wake for Judd Crawford Uh, connection with Jane Uh, uh, she work uh, worked for him, uh past tense, present tense, it's 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 a little confusing on presentation. Um
0: I think that's because we the, needed to establish that she used to work for yeah, him and he yeah, needed to make yeah. that mistake because otherwise yeah. But but pray continue.
1: Well he seems to know Angela is a cop. She has to correct him. So do senators have the identities of law enforcement is is this a way into how the cavalry Uh, took them out. I mean, presumably before their names, addresses were public and, and, you know, the cavalry just used that public information against them and now they're protected. Do uh, people in government have access to this? Could this further endanger her and her family and her husband whose fate has been completely jeopardized?
0: Again, this is a show that has taken the time, uh, certainly kind of privately in the writer's room, along with a bit more publicly with the PTpedia stuff, to really come up with 34, 35 years worth of, of chronology to get to this point, to get us to September 2019. You know, there's the official government names for the squid attack. I think it's D I E, if that's not, you know, uh, subtle enough, and things of that sort. I have to assume then, if we're going to look at this as a functioning government structure here, I have to assume that, fine, you're going to have anonymous um, police officers except for the public face uh, with the chief. It can't be the end all and be all with the chief because then all it would take is one chief to say, "Uh, I don't know, Red Scare, never heard of him. He just beats up people who, you know, whatever, whatever, and it becomes martial law in an episode that's wondering about martial activities, by the way. Uh, there's got to be some kind of government oversight, even at the highest level. So I think that what you're proposing, Pete, is definitely uh, definitely possible. You know, they have this team of law enforcement people here. You have to be able to operate as a team. You have to be able to work together as a team.
1: Well, Matt, the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, uh, they are our team, And when you go there and you uh, generously decide to contribute, uh, the bottom basement price of a dollar a month helps us with bandwidth, sustainability, et cetera, et cetera. And for a quarter a week for that dollar a month, less than the price of a cup of coffee, helping us not only with the Watchmen podcast by Fantastic Geek, but all of the 19 feeds of the family of podcasts of Fantastic Geek,
0: it is completely true that particularly this time of year, and particularly Pete, as we enter, uh, as we have surpassed the 90th minute of this podcast, the bandwidth and storage costs that we have uh, this time of year are are you know certainly being tested. Uh, the the limits that we've paid for, et cetera, that's all being tested, and that help. Uh, really does uh, does count even if it is the dollar uh, the dollar a month level certainly higher levels from there so we very much appreciate the people who do support us and we certainly ask uh, those who uh, have yet to support us to consider going to patreon.com FantasticGeek. geek uh, it, it does really make all the difference particularly with all the content that we are talking about uh, this month we'll be talking about next month and, and then it's going to get even busier in december so, Watchmen,
1: Godfriend, and Me, A little show called The Mandalorian on Disney Plus will be bringing you uh, when that drops on November 12th, and then on to Marvel Runaways in December, and then Star Trek Picard in the new year. So, thanks again to existing patrons, and uh, welcome aboard to new ones. I'm picking up some psychic. Transmissions from our
0: audience. Pete will head to Twitter first. And uh, the first one uh, was a poll we ran that kind of was a smaller question, uh, one that kind of popped into my head as I was uh, going to bed. So, where are we at with Jeremy Irons' Lord of the Country estate? Uh, 50% of voters saying that he's Vite slash Ozymandias, 22% saying that he is Dr. Manhattan, uh, 4% voting for other, uh, although The those that voted did not then follow the request to reply below. We did get a reply from our pal James Killen, who said Ozymandias, but with the blue big blue guy trapped in him somehow, uh, which is a good a good theory there. Pete, seventy percent said Charles Widmore, which was the joke answer, Um, which I voted for by the way. (laughs) Okay, well then you know props to my losties, Um, but there was that poll Uh, looking uh, into the episode as a whole though. Uh, we had um, no one vote that the episode got one star on the porch nobody said two percent uh so, so pardon me two stars uh hard-boiled eggs 45 percent said three stars flying cars question mark and 55 percent said four stars hooded justice
1: yeah the the buzz again for this show remains strong there are people that I know that don't traditionally take in this type of, story who are hankering for more. And, uh, I just wish we could be binging the remaining seven episodes for this, uh, season, but I'm loving the discussion and, uh, being able to talk about it with, uh, people online and with people IRL.
0: Well, speaking of binging, that's what uh, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 said on Twitter. I wish I could binge this show. Seven days is too long to wait for the next episode. Uh, and that was agreed to by James Davis. That's at graybush777. Uh, agreed, need to watch it again so I see what I missed. Um, and yeah, I think, Pete, that's part of the reason why we do these do these deep recaps it's a way i mean we certainly watched the episode multiple times before podcasting but it's also another way to kind of to kind of get the to get the episode there uh onto the email machine we go pete the first uh, email here from seventh Caval steve who says as follows dear pete and matt hey ho from idaho this week i've got to say this episode of watchman really got my red blood pumping Zapping those Mothman journos out of the sky was a very, and I mean very, satisfying moment. My only real complaint was the nudity in the episode. I get it. We all need to be equal now. But I felt like they really did a lot of dangling the fake Dr. Manhattan's, I'll change his word here, Pete, privates in my face. (laughs) Uh, I hope you guys will discuss who took away Will at the end of the episode. One of you guys had mentioned the owl ship connecting back to Dan Draberg. He means dryberg uh any chance we'll get to see him i'm assuming he means dan next week my hope is uh to see the whole gang back together by the end of the season pete that's some that from seventh cavill steve
1: in idaho this week on the uh big rig right um yeah that's
0: yeah, what he, driving the big rig yeah
1: honored to uh be along for the ride with this uh this trucker taken in uh watchman um I mean, the equality of uh, what is uh, the the male figure uh, okay? I mean, one, it's it's prosthetic, and two, we know that Doctor Manhattan goes around naked. So why wouldn't the stage reproduction of the accident here of him uh, gaining these powers do that? It seems kind of silly to. Think that that's some kind of forced equality
0: pete an email from our great pal 084 who says uh, as follows i wasn't too sure about watching this show because i never read the novel and the little that i do remember about the movie i didn't enjoy very much but wow i'm glad to have changed my mind to be blown away by that first episode pete this sent before uh, 102 i appreciate your primer podcast on the graphic novel and the movie and they really enhanced my experience watching the pilot even if it didn't necessarily lean too hard on the source material. Regina King is the lead I never knew I needed in my life, and now I need her in everything. Don Johnson usually plays a smarmy a-hole. Pete, that's his wording. He's he self, he self-centered. self We didn't need the FCC this time. Um, <laughs> he usually plays a smarmy a-hole, but he turns up the likability here, and it's great. Which, Pete, let me pause O H OH4's words for a moment. It is true that we suspect Don Johnson of some of these worst things. What is making it difficult is he's a great actor who is extremely charming. And I think that's that's a point that 084 is very wise to point out there.
1: That we fear he is behind this connected, um, you know, speaks to... The performance that Johnson's put in. I was corrected online, not that I didn't know this, but so we made a point in uh our New York Comic Con coverage of the pilot when we were not talking spoilers, how Damon Lindelof referred to his self-imposed rule. He doesn't work with an actor twice. And somebody was like, I think it was on Reddit, somebody corrected me and like, but he's worked with Don Johnson before. Yes. He wasn't a showrunner on Nash Bridges. So um, Damon Lindelof wasn't determining that uh, Don Johnson was the star of that show.
0: Good points on both ends. I think mostly including if you want a character like if you want somebody to play Judd Crawford, who's a name star, and also you can do the deal of you don't need to work six days a week 18 hours a day because you're a leader a co-lead you kind of come in and out the list is pretty short and don johnson is certainly on it but anyhow pete back to 084's email here uh he wonders was i the only one who noticed the loud clock ticking uh during both his song at the dinner table and the subsequent talk with angela outside it certainly made uh made me certainly uh feel something terrible was about to happen at any second um I'll mention Pete. When I first heard that ticking at New York Comic-Con, I thought something was wrong with the audio, Uh, but (laughs) OeTor is right. It definitely is there. Um, I thought
1: something was going to happen. I thought they were going to break in while they were at dinner and and do something terrible. I did not hear it outside. I'm going to have to go back, and I've only watched that episode like five times, go back and watch and see if I could hear it outside.
0: The alternate universe leans on its differences from ours and uses them to shine a light on issues that demand attention, yet the story still captivates you enough to let you escape into their world for a bit. That's a weird balance to be able to achieve, and I applaud the showrunner and writing room for what I'm sure is going to be an amazing ride. P.S. A couple of Marvel alums pop up besides the obvious one in The Leader as Looking Glass. Banks from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the Red Scare. Oh Wow, good good catch. Uh, and the guy they interrogate in the middle of the episode played Cloak and Dagger, Season 1 villain. That's why he looks familiar. That guy yeah. also had small roles in Spider-Man Homecoming and Venom, so apparently he likes getting around comic properties. Until next time, 084. four, you win Agent of the Week, which is an, an award we have not given in many years. That's <laughs> awesome. The whole email was great, and then it was cherry on the top at the end. Detective
1: of the week here. Mass detective of the week for uh, uh, Watchmen. Wonderful job.
0: Pete, what do you have on your end for feedback, etc.?
1: On Facebook, listener Fran King wrote, one thing I must say about Watchmen, it's the fastest hour on TV. I had replied here, so dense, can't wait to podcast it. Uh, he said, that's probably why it goes so fast, and I'm trying to notice everything. BTW Peter, very good podcast last week. Thumbs up emoji, to which I replied, thanks so much. Uh, He continued on, I'm not one who contributes to the overall discussion, but I enjoy podcasts that enhance my enjoyment of a particular series, started with Dexter, then Game of Thrones, dot, 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 and of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., So, Matt, it would seem it's all connected, even though it's not connected for some of the people who are no longer connected anymore. Jeff Loeb.
0: (laughs) Yes, Jeff Loeb cast coming soon. Uh, But certainly the the kind words of Frank King, they're most appreciated. Pete, what else you got?
1: To Apple Podcasts, Matt, we have been left a review by Kovanski, uh, it's a five star review. The headline is simply great and it reads, keep it UO, uh, UO, I meant, uh, I guess uh, he meant up uh, in terms of the review here. Um, and uh, just a reminder, if you can't contribute at uh, patreon.com fantasticgeek fantastic uh, geek, uh, awesome way to help us out. Throw us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It takes a second to give us a rating. We'd like the five star more than the one star. Uh, But if you want to write a written review, definitely be helping us out as well. Thanks again, Kevonsky
0: absolutely most appreciated to get that support and we can't wait to keep the watchman conversation going pete how can people be in touch with you to share their latest thoughts that red scare is now red scare chief of police spin-off series <laughs> web only
1: <Chief> scare matt <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at peter pieterjketelaar r k e t e l a a r ten thousand. 755
0: followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are fantastic geek as well. Believe me, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic
1: geek with the pH all one word. Like it today,
0: Pete, this is our final podcast of October, November. Pete, I I literally needed to print it out because (laughs) I couldn't, remember all of them at once so i have the piece of paper here legit uh november of course is when mandalorian starts in a couple weeks time uh adding our our podcast load to three mandalorian and uh watchman and of course uh a god friend me then in december we're going to add runaways to that and a star wars movie and we have a whole literal day-by-day schedule for that cannot wait to dive on in to the scrum can't wait to keep finding the excellence here in Watchmen and uh, can't wait to get together next Watchmen Wednesday to talk episode 103 with that I will say adios to all the listeners and give you Pete the final word
1: time for another beer before we go